tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check... We got a new team on the rise. They're called the OKC Thunder, and they have arrived. Let me tell you, folks, they are a problem for the rest of the league. So we talk about that. We get into this new Jokic versus Embiid controversy. Little propaganda regime coming through. Little news from around the league, ranging from Charles Barkley's old, uh, unique way that he was apparently forced to clean his jersey back in the day, to an unexpected voice. On the league referee woes. Three weeks left until the play-in, Nick. Drop that motherfucking generic ass beat. Before I start out on the OKC Thunder, let me just get a couple of things off my chest. One, number one, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Uh, and you're wondering what's up with my lip. Uh... <laughs> How do I say this in a way that doesn't make me seem like either negligent or uh, a victim? My dog bit me in the mouth. Uh, I don't know why, really. It was unprovoked, sort of. She's a rescue. Made me bleed. So there's a little piece of skin on my lip that's still sort of halfway still on. I can't pull it off or it'll just start bleeding again. So if you're wondering, I've had multiple people ask me, what's going on with your lip? That's what's going on with my lip. If you're listening on the podcast... You probably didn't need this information, but we're going to keep it where it is. So let's start out with the pod. NBA fans this morning woke up to a crazy, crazy sight. Not, no, not Austin Reeves going off for 35. I'm talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder, who were down 192 to the Suns with a couple of minutes left to play in OKC. They go proceed and have an 18-2 run against Phoenix. They walk away with a 124-120 win over a team that had given up 69 points, nice, in the first half. It was their seventh win in nine games. That includes wins over the Nets, Warriors, and the Jazz twice. But, but that win was significant. 
You look at the standings, which I pretty much have to do every single day to figure out what's going on, and the freaking OKC Thunder are now in eighth place. They are 35 and 36, one game out of sixth place. The Oklahoma City Thunder is one game out of not being in the play-in tournament and actually being in the actual playoffs. And guess what, folks? Are you kidding me? This is stunning. I think many people thought this team was going to pack it up at the All-Star break, shut Shea Gilgis-Alexander down, shut Josh Giddy down, shut both Jalen Williams down. I have loved the Thunder for two years now, and even I am like, mm, this is not part of the plan, guys. Uh, you're supposed to be trying to get Scoot Henderson, Victor Wambayama, one of the Thompson twins. Who else, whoever else, that Brandon Miller. One of my favorite league pass teams, but I did not expect them to be in the playoffs. I think, though, people are sleeping on this OKC Thunder team. I was talking to the mainstream media a couple of weeks ago on Amazon. They didn't even know who Shea Gilgis Alexander was. No shade to them, but they said, who? Who is Shea Gilgis what? Who is SGA? Is that the same guy? Yes. I don't know, just the top... At one point, top five in scoring in the NBA, just an absolute bucket. Leading this team has been stolen for. OKC stole him, which we'll get to in a bit. So let's break down how they got here. Because it's very clear that they've taken a lot of people by surprise. You're just waking up to the thunder or you're still asleep on the thunder. Let's get you there because OKC's a problem. So it all begins with one of the most mysterious, secretive, cryptic, elusive men on the planet Earth. And I'm not talking about World Wide West. I'm talking about Sam Presti right now. I'm talking about some flowing right now. The myth, the man, the legend. You don't hear his name much. You don't. But behind closed doors, people talk about him in whispers. You talk about him too loud, you might not even be allowed into the building. There's some mainstream media talk too much about what the OKC Thunder do, spilling a little too much tea. And now they're blackballed. <laughs> and most people are pretty, that are in the know, in awe of what he's been able to do in the smallest market in the NBA. So if you don't know about Sam Presti, he's been the GM of the franchise since 2007, back when they were actually still in Seattle. And at that point, Sam Presti was just 29 years old. 29 years old, wet behind the ears. No one expected much. He was one of the first, uh, like, young guns to come into the league in this spot. He was right after Theo Epstein was named GM of the Red Sox at 28. Brought in as this new era, smart, analytically driven executives, later coaches, that would get their shot way earlier than ever, right? He was one of the pioneers in that era. And because of his age, and because the Supersonics were a mess... And because the Supersonics were seen as maybe a team that would leave the area, everyone thought Sam Presti doomed to fail. Bad scenario. Night-night sleep mask for you. First shot out of the box, first moves he makes, he gets Kevin Durant in the, in the draft. And number two, has not looked back since. He then goes on to draft Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Serge Ibaka, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Changes the way that the league works because he was so crafty in how he makes deals, they actually created a whole new league protocol 
to thwart him. You know how like Augusta tiger proofed Augusta and it did not work? That's what they did with this thing called the Stepien rule. It really should be called the Presti rule, but you know why they didn't call it that? Because you can't even say his name without you getting into trouble. So they had to come up with a new name that was really about him. And that keeps teams from trading multiple first rounders in consecutive years. So say you have only your own first rounders. You can't trade a 2022 and a 2023 first rounder. Boom, boom. You can't be left with no first rounders in two consecutive years. It also prohibits, which is also very much him, he was trading players to get draft picks in like 30 years from now. Like you can't, Sam, you can't do that. Only seven years down the line can you get a draft pick for. You can't trade some random player right now for a 2032 first round pick. This kid's not even in elementary school yet. Okay, you can't do that. Back to his success. Sam Presti, within five years of getting the top gig, has the Thunder in the NBA Finals in 2012. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty impressive. Very big deal maker. Nobody's had more blockbuster trades than Sam Presti, and nobody's managed to keep up with the times more either. So the Thunder built around Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant. That hits a wall. Kevin leaves. Russell Westbrook starts to stall. Then he starts his first real rebuild since the franchise moved from Seattle in 2019. So they had Paul George, and they had Russell Westbrook, and they moved them both for a boatload of draft picks. That is the genesis of today's OKC Thunder team. In essence, here's what Presti did four years ago. He turned Serge Ibaka into Shea, Jalen Williams, and three future first-round picks through three trades. Here it is as follows. Serge Ibaka for Victor Oladipo and Damana Sabonis. First of all, that's a fucking theft. No shade to Serge Ibaka, but that is theft. Robbery. Then takes Oladipo and Sabonis and flips them almost immediately for Paul George. Turns Paul George into Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and five future first-round picks. One of those first-round picks has already turned into Jalen Williams. Now you have three first-round picks coming up in the next two years. That's how it's done. That is how it's done, folks. The team was supposed to be probably a contender either next year or the year after, after Chet Holmgren goes down with the Liz Frank injury when he was playing in that pro-am, right? You're like, okay, you're over. Chet's done. This is another development year. Maybe try to get Victor Wambanyama or Scoot Henderson or something. Compete, build on it, but you're not a playoff team. But now you got three healthy 2022 draft picks that are Jalen Williams with an E, Jalen Williams with an I, Usman Jangs, all finding a way to play valuable minutes. And one of them, Jalen with an E, might be the best rookie in the league not named Paolo Bancaro right now. In his last 10 games, Jalen Williams is averaging 20.4, 6, and 5. And two steals per game, I mind you. Stole him. Stole him. Jalen with an I is averaging 7, 5, and 1 in his last 10. And Usman Jang is coming around as well, 8, 4, and 1 in his last 10 games. Quick trip to math school. Let's do that for a second. Shows that the Thunder have three rookies on this team contributing 35, 15, and 7. Did I mention again? Chet Holmgren sitting on the bench. Liz Frank injury. He was the one who was supposed to be bringing it home. He hasn't played one NBA minute yet. 
and also taking jumpers pregame. He's currently back in the gym. Come on. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Most teams would hope that just one rookie can get 15 minutes without destroying the team chemistry and turning the ball over a million times and not being in winning basketball situations. All three of the rookies averaging anywhere from 18 to 27 minutes per game and winning and in the playoff hunt? This is scary. Here is something that should scare everyone who is not a fan of the Thunder. The average age of the Thunder is not even 24 years old. Wow. There's no one on this roster over the age of 28. Dario Saric, who was, let's be honest, came in on a salary dump. He was born in 94, and he's three years older than the next oldest player, which is Lindy Walters, who is ancient for this team at 25. For this team to be this good with this many players who can contribute on a night-to-night basis with no Chet this fast, oh my God, it is scary hours. Be afraid. If your favorite team is in the Western Conference, be afraid. Look at these numbers of the last 10 games. Josh Giddy, 17, 9, and 8 with a steal per game. Shea, 35, 5, and 5 with two steals per game. Yeah, that's, those are, that's a laughable stat line. Lou Dort, 14-4-2 with a steal per game. They all are averaging a steal. They also, mind you, have deep bench guys like Aaron Wiggins, Isaiah Joe, Trey Mann, Kenrick Williams. Guys that if the mainstream media doesn't know who Shea is, I promise you they don't know who Kenrick Williams is. All contributing at various times. These kids don't even care that they get DMP coaches' decisions, DMP CDs. They're like, they will sit out three straight games for no reason whatsoever and then all of a sudden get 28 minutes and, and put 25 up on your head. That's how ready they are. They stay ready. And then they've got this Poku kid who I've talked about before, Alexi Pokashevsky, who's been on rehab in the G League. Be afraid of him as well. He could be ready by playoff time. He is giving buckets up. He is blowing the doors off people in the G League. Quick question. If you're a top four seed of the West, are you afraid? Because I would. Do you want any part of the OKC Thunder in the playoffs? I would not. I would not. The Kings and the Thunder would be an amazing match. I would love to see a 2-7 two, a two Kings-Thunder matchup. The Suns obviously don't want any part of the OKC Thunder because they were up how much with two minutes left to go? And then all of a sudden they look up and they're like, these dudes have scored 20 straight points on us and we have scored zero. In the span of three minutes, we looked like we had a comfortable lead to all of a sudden we were like, "Uh uh-oh, this is not good. They can score fast. Their runs are largely based off of deflections, steals, block shots. Quick little fact for you. OKC is third in the NBA in steals per game. What? This little ramshackle team, third in the league in steals per game. So this little baby team, they are a problem. They're growing up right before our eyes. This team actually reminds me of the Memphis Grizzlies, the year that they knocked off the Warriors in the play-in tournament, and then they played the Utah Jazz, and they beat the Utah Jazz in the first game of the playoffs, and everybody's like, oh, my God, what is going on? Dylan Brooks just put up, I think, 25 in that game, and Jaw was looking crazy, and 
Utah looks scared in their boots. Utah ends up winning that series pretty comfortably, but you think to yourself, oh, yeah, this team's pretty good. This team could be really, really good fast. That's the OKC Thunder right now. So will they win at all this year? Of course not. But when you add Chet Holmgren to this team, and they have two first-rounders in the coming draft, one of which will surely be a lottery pick, sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. The Thunder, I'm calling it now, could be a new power in the West before you know it. So speaking of the Thunder, I thought I would update everyone on this NBA refing situation. We talked about this, what, last week with um, Fred Van Fleet? So you remember Fred Van Fleet, he lit up Ben Taylor, who uh, had called texts on him at grotesque, inappropriate, disproportionate levels, right? Fred Van Fleet said Taylor was fucking terrible. I think on most nights, you know, out of the three officials, there's going to be one or two that just fucked the game up. That was Ben Taylor, right? Tell me how you would really feel, Fred. Predictively, things, a couple of things happened. First, the league, of course, fine, Fred Van Fleet. You knew that would happen. Second, multiple players that we discussed, like Marcus Smart, came out and were like, yes, Fred is the man. He is right. Listen to him. So it got worse. It did. It's now getting at a boiling point. Mark Dagnell, the OKC Thunder head coach that nobody knows. Uh, who? Yeah, we did a piece on him a couple, couple of weeks ago because nobody knows who he is. He said this. I didn't get any technicals in my first two years. I'm prioritizing getting my point across at the expense of getting a technical. Fairness and consistency. We need those things from the league and from the refs. So I have a theory about Mark Dagno that I'm going to run by you guys, which is that Mark Dagno, his name is really Tony from Long Island. He's in witness protection program. And... He's now the head coach of the OKC Thunder because he's laying low and no one knows who he is. But now Tony from Long Island's coming out and straight up yelling at refs. Did you see what he said? He said, if you're not talking to me, I'm not talking to you. What? I, I think he is now putting himself squarely on the radar of Jimmy Baxter and them boys. He is now enemy number one. They're like... Yo, Tony, you is that is 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 that Tony from Long Island? No, no, that's Mark Dagno. No, you see how he just said, "Are you talking to me? If you're not talking to me, I'm talking to you." That's Mark Dagno. What a better way to hide in plain sight than to become the head coach of the OKC Thunder, where Sam Presti protects all. Sam Presti takes takes players in and rehabs them. Takes people who are running from the mob and rehabs them. This is the perfect place to become someone else. So when the NBA's only coach in the witness protection program risks blowing his cover and becomes a target, you know that you fucked up. If you're not talking to me, I'm not talking to you. Turns his back on, points straight into his face. Yeah, we got a referee problem, folks. Memo to Adam Silver. You need to fix this shit with the refs and fix it fast because you can't have another Scott Foster situation in the playoffs. And you can't have our... Son, Mark Dagno, a.k.a. Tony from Long Island, getting put back onto the radar of those he's running from. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Folks, we now have a full-blown controversy on our hands. Up until this week, it was all fun and games, right? Last week, maybe two weeks ago. It was Jokic, 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 Jokic. Jokic is the MVP, undisputed MVP. Anyone you ask, it's Jokic. No matter who you ask. Is it Embiid? No. Is it Giannis? No. Is it Dame? No. It's only Jokic. Every single person, 100%, Jokic. They're the number one seed in the West. Jokic finally has his help. Look how much good, how much better they are with with Jamal Murray on the team now healthy and Michael Porter Jr. on the team healthy. Watch this. Oh, my God, he's better than he was last year. And then you know what? They all wanted to give him three of them in a row, right? That was the whole historic thing. And even me, I was sucked into it, sucked into the propaganda machine of the Jokic, the Jokic deep state is what I'm calling it. The Jokic deep state is what I'm con- calling it. And I'm not here to slander Jokic. I, I, I like him. I think he could definitely deserve MVP. There's no, no, no shade to him. But what happened at the trade deadline changed everything. They got Reggie Jackson, who I said was terrible, and the Denver Nuggets have not been the same since. Jokic has been good. He's been incredible at times. And the Denver Nuggets have been losing. They're really bad defensively, and they just are losing to terrible teams. And all of a sudden, you look up, and Joel Embiid is the leader in the clubhouse for MVP. Minus 175. He's been awesome. Sixers have been awesome. He's the leading scorer in the NBA right now. And there are like six guys averaging over 30. He has been clutch. He has been incredible. They have the same record as the Nuggets. They stand in second in the East. Things have shifted. 20 games left, Embiid appears ready to steal the MVP, just like Jokic did from Embiid last year. So if you're a Jokic fan, if you're a part of the deep state, what do you do? What do you do? You call your friends up at SiriusXM Radio, and you bring on some guests that you have in your pocket to say some shit, to say some crazy-ass shit, to bring the narrative back to Jokic. What do you say? Joel Embiid is lazy. No, 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 not, not just that he's lazy. He takes plays off at the end of games. It doesn't matter that he's regularly one of the most clutch players in the NBA, that he's only behind De'Aaron Fox as most, most clutch scorer in the NBA in fourth quarters. According to those guys, it's not just that he's lazy. It's not just that he takes plays off. It's that his mannerisms are lazy. His body language is lazy. Joel Embiid, most points per minute in NBA history. That's the lazy guy. Him. Him. This is crazy. George Carl, Agent Zero, both went on Sirius XM NBA. And what did they say? Can't be Joel Embiid for the MVP because he takes too many plays off at the end of games and he's just generally slovenly. He's just a sloth out there. You just watch him and you're like, yeah, he doesn't want to move that fast. This is against Jokic. Jokic isn't exactly Wiley Coyote out there. 
Are we serious? Joel Embiid averaging 37 points per game, eight and a half rebounds and four assists, and 2.1 blocks in the month of March. Lazy guy. That's him. How do you average over a steal and over a block per game and be lazy? This is outrageous. I can't even... It took me, it was such an outrageous take, it took me a while to get outraged because it didn't exactly hit my brain, hit my cerebellum and start to like sink in. Like, let's be honest, Jokic is kind of kind of lazy sometimes on defense. You got Joel Embiid, one of the best defenders in the league, one of the most clutch players in the league, averaging more points in the league than anyone else for the entire season, most in March, highest PER player efficiency rating in the league, which, by the way, has won it eight years in a row for MVP. But no, no, the only thing we can say about Embiid in terms of why Jokic is the MVP and not him is that he's lazy. Here, if you don't believe me, this you might think I'm just trolling because I could understand why you would think that. Uh, let's just listen to George Carl, our resident NBA uh, former head coach. Why don't you think Embiid is in the race, Coach? For me, I don't want to badmouth Embiid because I think he's really, really good. I mean, a lot of my assistant coaches were in Philadelphia when he was a young player, and they kept telling me he's going to be the best guy ever to play the game. Best big guy ever to play yeah. the game. I, I see him moving in that direction, but he takes it. I don't know. He takes too many possessions off. He has lazy body language. He gets angry at things that we don't understand why. I just don't know if he's that that NBA NBA pro that we all love because he's a competitive SOB and he. But you know, from what I know in Philadelphia, everybody says he's playing great. The games I've seen, he has played really, really well. And he's played great in the fourth quarters, come with a lot of comeback wins. Um, so I'm, I, I just think it might be my, you know, I can, I can only like one big guy and I'm going to take Jokic over Embiid. What in the literal fuck are you saying? Also really quick side note, cause this was how it started. Uh, George Carl, isn't he the same guy who, when Doc Rivers became the head coach of the Orlando Magic said that he didn't like all of these Afro-American head coaches being anointed? He said, Doc does a great job. Now there's going to be four or five more anointments of the Afro-American coach, which is fine because I think they've been screwed deep down inside. They have been screwed. But I have a great assistant coach that can't even get an interview. Wait. (laughs) Okay. George Kyle. Isn't this the same guy, George Carl? Who said that Kenyon Martin and Carmelo Anthony were entitled and also lazy because they had two big burdens, all that money, and no father to show them how to act like a man? He wrote that in his book, George Carl. He said, George Carl, in his book, I'm reading the excerpt right now. As you've read, I grew up in a safe suburban neighborhood. Pause. Oh my God, George Carl. Uh, with both my parents, I had a second father, the most moral, decent man I knew. I never made enough money as a player to get confused about who I was. When I compare my background to Kenyans and Carmelo's, it's no wonder we had a few problems. Yup, same dude, same dude, calling Joel Embiid lazy with lazy mannerisms and lazy body language. And you know who I really like? That hard-working 
uh, Serbian dude, uh, Jokic, the one who is legitimately a sieve on defense and everybody's trying to find advanced analytics, even me, trying to find advanced analytics to show that Jokic is a better defender than what we see with our own two eyes because sometimes he takes multiple plays off in a row and just passes a lot. Yes, yes, that guy is a harder worker than Joel Embiid. Let's look at the stats. Embiid's defensive stats this year include 10.2 rebounds, ninth in the NBA, 1.7 blocks, sixth in the NBA, 1.1 steals per game. Do you know how many players in the NBA have over one block and one steal per, di- per game? Three. Exactly three. One of them is not Nikola Jokic. Jaron Jackson, the leader in the clubhouse for Defensive Player of the Year. Shea Goldgis-Alexander, maybe the most underrated defensive guard in the league. And Joel Embiid. I can't believe you guys got me fucking standing for the Philadelphia 76ers. You got me coming in and doing this because of the deep state. Did I mention Embiid has been named with three all-NBA defensive teams already in his career? Pretty good for a lazy guy with lazy mannerisms. Just lazy. He just walks lazy. Just walks from the tunnel, walks from the bus uh, to the tunnel. He's lazy. The way he walks around his house is lazy. His offense is the best in the NBA. That is a statistical fact. His defense, all NBA. His defense is even more incredible when you consider that now his role has changed on the Philadelphia 76ers to being a roamer on the backside of the, of the defense. More active role that allows him to hunt blocks and defend the perimeter. Do I even need to find out how many miles he runs per game? Do I need to do that? Do we need to get a whoop on Joel Embiid? Do we need to put an aura ring on Joel Embiid in order to refute these racist-ass claims? People are out of their minds. They're either being used or they're part of the deep state. George Carl, for sure, in the deep state. Gilbert Arenas, just trying to be relevant. Joel Embiid says this about his new role. I think it makes sense with our team, just someone that can protect the rim. we got a lot of guys that like to be aggressive, and then we have a lot of breakdowns defensively. So if you're going to have your best rim protector on a stretch five, probably doesn't make a lot of sense, or they're going to have a lot of wide-open layoffs. It makes sense for the team, for me, to roam. <sighs> Gilbert Arena says this. I don't see the quantum leap from Joel Embiid. It takes, he takes a lot of possessions off. He usually dies out in the fourth quarter when he gets tired. These people aren't watching games. Dies in the fourth quarter? Asian zero. If Embiid died in the fourth quarter, how could he be the second most clutchable scorer in the NBA? How? He's shooting 50% and 85% from the free throw line in the fourth quarter this year. He has a plus 112 for the year in the fourth quarter alone. Get the fuck out of here with this bullshit. Embiid might just mess around and still get the MVP. It's going to be one hell of a race. And I tell you what, the machine is going to get louder and louder and louder because they want that boy Jokic to win three straight MVPs now. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, 
five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Chris Haynes dropped some tea from Lakerland. Apparently, the Lakers are talking like they always do. And they are very interested in playing the Memphis Grizzlies or the Denver Nuggets in the first round. And they believe those matchups are preferable for them, and they believe they can win. Imagine the Lakers being overconfident. That never happens for them, right? Never. Haynes reports this. They believe they have a legitimate shot to take down Denver. They believe they have a legitimate shot to take down Memphis. I don't know about Phoenix when KD is healthy. Haven't asked about that. But there's no fear at all. Lakers are feeling themselves right now. They are. Fascinating for a team that is 35 and 37. Clinging to the 10 spot that they're like, yeah, give us that one seed. We'll play that one seed. We'll take that one seed down with that two-time, probably going to be three-time MVP on it. Don't worry about it. We'll... We just want them. Give us. That's like when Oregon, that's my team in football, that's when we always say we want Alabama. And then you get Ohio State and you get pounced by straight 50 points. You don't want the Nuggets Lakers. I do think they have a legitimate point, though. Uh, A lot of it's going to depend on Braun. He was asked the other day if he's going to come back for the playoffs. He said he's going to be back before the playoffs. That remains to be seen. He's going to be evaluated later on this week how he's going to look. Remember he hurt himself a couple of years ago when he had that high ankle sprain. He was not himself. They got bounced early. But the new lineup is fun. D'Lo, Beasley, Rui, Vanderbilt. Fun. Fun. Health, definitely the big concern. 12 games left for the Lakers to flame out and miss the playoffs altogether, which is what I want. Or they could go on a roll, avoiding the play-in altogether. It is tight up there in the West. I bet they finish ninth, 10th. They get the final eight, eight seed before the playoffs start. I got to love the confidence, though. Be careful what you wish for. Jokic and Jaw, I think, saw these comments. They are 10,000% not afraid of playing the Lakers in a seven-game series. It would be fun, though. I want to see them play the Kings just for posterity's sake. Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley's the best, man. He really is. He is outrageous. I think we can all agree he's the best in the business for just talking. It's him and Stephen A. Smith in terms of just ridiculousness. He comes out, talks about March Madness, which I think he's completely unprepared for. I don't think he even reads what's going on with these teams, doesn't know player names. I listened to him talk after a game the other night, and I was like, oh, this is what happens with me when I go on the radio and I haven't had time to, like, research these matchups. He's like, yeah, yeah, um, you know, that Tiger Campbell kid, really good, Jaime Hawkes, great coach, Mick Cronin, tough team, UCLA. <laughs> like, there's no information there. That's, that's Charles Barkley throughout the entire tournament of March Madness. But what he does is electric. And right now he's in talks with CNN to do a weekly show with Gail King. Barkley doesn't want to be on TV anymore unless he goes on with Gail King. No idea why, but he says this, I'm not looking to get on TV anymore. I just have so much love and respect for Gail. She's the reason I'm even considering it. 
But that's not really the point of the story. The point of the story is to, to say Charles Barkley had one of the most random, underrated rants on the old school NBA and college I've ever seen. He stole the pregame NCAA show when he said this. I mean, it's so much stuff that goes yeah. into this. And you know, shout out to all the trainers also. Yeah. To have all, and the guys who do all the uniforms, to get these uh, uniforms cleaned up and everything. Cause, I mean, I'm so old. We used to take a shower in our uniforms because, you know, because we, we, we flew commercial my first few Wait, years. Wait, time out. There's no era where you did <laughs> Yes, it is. Stop, you're making this up. <laughs> no, I'm not. There's no way that you you were supposed to wash your uniform with your own. When I first... You're making this up. I'm not making this up. Let okay. him finish. I've no, never no, heard. No. no one in the right mind has Kenny, ever done let that. Let him finish, Kenny. Please when do I, when let I, him when finish. I, when I first... And soap, they give you soap. Let to... him no, finish, no, no. Kenny. When I first got to the NBA, we flew commercial. Yes, I, that's, that's I, accurate. I, I'm not that's disagreeing accurate. with you. So, so when that's you played the night before and flew the next morning, when was you exactly going to get your uniform clean? You had to wash your uniform yourself. So after the game, when you got to your room, you took a shower in your uniform and dried and dropped on, <laughs> on the commercial <laughs> airline the next morning. Were you with Jed Clampett? No, That's why you had to let him finish. Come on. No. I, <laughs> yeah, have you ever heard of this in your life, Clark? No, I, well, how are y'all cleaning y'all uniform? Y'all playing in fucking uniforms? No, 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 somebody... I'm washing the dryer yeah, or someone else. Yeah, when, you're, right. when you're flying the I, next morning... You can clean your uniform without showering in it. Well, that well, is that is that is possible. After, you can well, actually clean it with, without showering in it. it. You don't have to have it on. Yeah, yeah. No, no, but it's easier to do it that way. It is easier to do it that way. This man, Charles Barkley, said it's easier than that that way. Uh, does he not know that hotels have washing machines? Has he ever hand-washed anything in the sink? Does he, if he's ever hand-washed his drawers, does he hand-wash his drawers in the shower with them on his ass? With his streaks on it? Does he wash his body with the uniform hanging over it? This is outrageous. I don't think I've ever heard anything more outrageous in my life from Chuck than that. It was the most purely down-home, country-ass shit I have ever heard in my life. So much I need to ask him about if I ever see him. I need a TV depiction of this scene ASAP Rocky. I have been telling people for years, not years, but a year since I saw him live, that Paolo Bancaro is not a real human being. He's not a real human. He is like if you took a perfectly proportioned human and you put him in the honey I enlarged the kids machine you remember when they did that it's like that it's like Paolo got into that and now he's 6'10 250 perfectly proportioned he's not a real person it's like if you saw a grizzly bear on on a Disney Channel documentary you see that and then you run into one in the wild and you're like oh my god this thing is 800 pounds this thing is nine feet tall he's a monster right I texted my friend this when I saw him live. I said, I was stunned. I, I couldn't believe it. He's bigger than LeBron James. That's what I always say. Imagine LeBron James, Paolo is bigger than him. So I texted my friend. I found the text. I said, he's massive. He's strong. He's got ball skills and touch around the rim. I am very high on Pancaro right now. I am pretty convinced Coach K is not using him right. Turns out I was right. But Rui Hachimura... 
got a glimpse up close this weekend of Paolo Bancara. And it turns out he feels exactly how I feel about him. This, this is exactly, Rui Hachimura is me. Only Rui Hachimura, keep in mind, is 6'8", 230 pounds. He's not a small kid. He's grown. He's a big boy. After guarding Paolo all night when Orlando played the L.A. Lakers on Sunday, Paolo put up 21 on his head. This is what Rui said, which I found to be hilarious. He said, I, I don't think he's 19 years old. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think he's 19, though. That's another story for another day about how Urian Ilyasova has been hiding his age and has a whole new name, which we'll talk about at another time, where he's like three years older than he told the NBA. But keep in mind, Rui Hachimura plays with LeBron James on a day-to-day basis, scrimmaging with him. And he's like, no, no, this Paolo guy, he's not real. He's not 19. He's not a real person. There's no chance. This is, this is how big you have to be when you stun other big players. This is like the, the NBA version of Wandy Rodriguez, that 13-year uh, veteran pitcher who actually signed as uh, Annie Cabrera, a fake person. Wandy claimed was two years younger than he actually was. He's a 17-year-old throwing 90 miles an hour like as a phenom, but he's 21. It's actually not really that impressive. That's Paolo. Paolo's probably 25, 26 years old. If Paolo was 28, would that, that surprise anyone? Like, And his name is so fake, too. Like, his name is Paolo Bancaro. He's, he's from Seattle. Do you know what I'm saying? He's, he's from Seattle, and his name is Paolo Bancaro. He's 28. I, I don't even care how old he is. I don't care if he's lying about his age. He is a baller. He is so fun. In all seriousness, you got to watch him play. You got to see him in person. I watched him at MSG. I told my friend, you got to see him live. I don't even care it's the Orlando Magic. We got to get as close to the floor as possible because you're not going to believe it. Next to Wendell Carter and Bull Bull, he looks like a man next to Bull. Bull Bull is 7-2. Do yourself a favor. Go see Paolo Bencaro. There's nothing more to the story other than the fact that, yes, Paolo Bencaro is very big and probably not actually 19. That's all the time that we have for the episode of the Heat Check. Check back Friday, all new episode. Do not forget to watch the feed. Please follow us as the playoffs continue. I am going to Sacramento, folks, for the first round. I'm putting it into the ether. Download, subscribe, tell your friends. Follow us on social at this heat check and at Trista Crick on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Heat check never sleeps, even on the weekends. See you next time, my friends.